Hi, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry. I'm pastor at East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. And I'd like to welcome you to this inaugural edition of this new podcast that we're calling Love to Tell the Story, which, as the title suggests, is going to be sermons, devotionals, and other random thoughts, mostly emanating from my life as a pastor, husband, father, and native New Englander. You know, I have been a church pastor for over 35 years now, whoa, and I've actually always thought that a large part of what I do as a pastor, and in particular as a preacher, is to be a storyteller, sharing not only the biblical story, which is first and foremost what I do from the pulpit, but also to to tell stories of the faith, stories of how faith gets lived out in life, yours and mine. So I'm really excited for this new opportunity and new means of storytelling. And uh, though this is very much a work in progress, I'll be anxious to hear what you think. And so we're going to begin today with actually uh, a sermon preached from the pulpit of East Church recently. It is entitled, And They'll Know We Are Christians, uh, after that wonderful hymn. And it's based on John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, you who are and continue to be today, tomorrow, from season to changing season, from age to age the same, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I first read about this uh, a number of years ago now, but apparently these days it's a growing trend. There are several medical schools across the country that are actually adding to its curriculum classes in something that's called medical improv. Now, it's not that they're improvising on things medical. Uh, What we're talking about here are, in fact, acting classes in which medical students are being taught theater arts and the skills necessary to improvise a scene. Really, all this so that these new doctors, it is said, might learn to choose their words and their gestures deliberately and so that they can have their interaction with patients become more empathetic, more compassionate, more thoughtful. And furthermore, and and, and this is a quote from an article from a few years back in USA Today, as accomplished actors, physicians who feel themselves too swamped, too stressed out, too suspicious to really feel any compassion for their patients can at least act like they care. (laughs) Now, lest you think that I'm picking on the medical establishment, you should know that this article and some other things I read online this week go on to suggest that this is actually a trend and that similar courses of study are being developed and have been developed for all sorts of helping professions. I don't know about you folks, but I can think of a lot of occupations uh, that where this kind of thing might apply. Jobs, you see, where the stress level 
is such that often the people in those occupations begin to, well, shall we say, distance themselves emotionally from uh, the people that they're caring for. And of course, so often that becomes to the detriment of the care receiver. In all seriousness now, the hope in this is that by taking acting lessons, these caregivers will be taught to respond as if they are emotionally connected to the people they're helping and to what's going on in their lives. Even if, you know, given whatever is going on around them, the best they can do is to simply go through the motions at that moment. Now, you may be wondering, is this just kind of simply a case of fake it till you make it? Maybe. But the idea is that perhaps by acting out the love, shall we say, they will come to realize what they've been missing in what they do. And they will maybe begin to genuinely feel that compassion and care that up till that point they've only been acting out. (laughs) Actually, when you think about it, it's not all that bad an idea, is it? And I dare say, friends, that it speaks to an issue far deeper than distracted medical people or a grumpy tech support specialist. The fact is, we could all use that kind of training at times. We're living in a world that, in which the predominant culture has become so busy, so fast-paced, so focused in this quest to for achievement and success that, that, and yet at the same time, which has become so utterly impersonal in the effort that, that so often things, basic things like human compassion and human care risk becoming displaced by this overwhelming nature of life and the, the drive to, to get things done. Moreover, friends, quite often, We make decisions and we set priorities as persons and as a people without any real concept of how our actions will affect others. I think you'll agree with me when I say that in these days we have way too often let our differences of opinion not only divide us but weaponize us. And if you don't believe me, go on the internet any day of the week. Moreover, we have allowed the miracle, and the convenience of technology to become a poor substitute for true communication. We use it as an excuse for not actually talking or more to the point listening to one another. And we have sought to give our families the best of everything. But in the process, we risk neglecting to teach them about the things that life that really matter. Honesty integrity, respect for others, especially respect for those who are different from us or with whom we disagree. Sometimes we have forgotten somehow to give them a clear sense of right and wrong. In short, friends, ours in a world, ours is a world where love is not always the operative choice we make. And and make no mistake, lest you think I'm talking down uh, to the world here from this pulpit, the church is not immune to this kind of behavior. What with all the, uh, the history we have of squabbles and division? Truly, I came across this quote from Jonathan Swift. It dates back to 1711, friends. 
And sadly, uh, when you think about it, it still kind of holds true today in so many ways. Swift wrote, we have just enough religion to make us hate, but not enough to make us love one another. Now, understand, friends, I'm not saying all of this to you today so that I can be morose on a Sunday morning. That's not my purpose here. But, but I want to suggest to you that this idea of learning how to act out in love might well be in order in the fervent hope that such love will take root in the darkest places of our lives so that it might grow and become genuine. Indeed, given all that it seems to be up and against in these times, the chance of true love prevailing might seem to us to be unlikely. But then, isn't that always the nature of love, friends? Isn't love always that something that's good and positive and life-changing, bursting forth in the face of the unknown and sometimes even the impossible? As someone else has aptly said, genuine love, it always leaps before it looks. And really, friends, I think this is what Jesus was talking about when he said to his disciples, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, Jesus said, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's interesting, you know, to note that even though in the church we are very much still in the midst of our Eastertide celebration of the resurrection, it is the fifth Sunday in Eastertide today. And even though it continues on for some time yet, our text for this morning <clears throat> takes us back, actually, to that fateful night of betrayal and desertion, that day that, and night that we know as Maundy Thursday. So, to put Jesus' words in context, at this point in the Passion story, Jesus has already spoken to them about the certainty of his death. He knows it's going to happen. He has already foretold Judas' betrayal. Judas has also gone to do what he has to do, and in an act of humble servitude that mirrors the sacrifice that is to come on the cross, he has washed the disciples' feet. The crucifixion is less than 24 hours away. So it stands to reason that everything that Jesus says now, in that there's going to be this palpable sense of closure. Think about it. If you knew that you only had a few days, a few hours to live, and you had all those you love around you, what would you say? I, I would wager a guess that you would want to make sure they understood that they were loved, what, uh, the, the confidence and the hope that you have in them. Little last-minute advice, perhaps. Everything you see that Jesus says from this point onward in this, there's this palpable sense of closure. And, and it's particular poignant because what he has to say is to the ones who have been the closest to him along the journey, his disciples. 
And when you think about that, that's understandable too, right? After all, he had been together with this group of 12 for nearly three years. And they would be the ones who would need to carry on after he was gone. So as I am fond of saying, not only are these essentially words of farewell, in which he is, uh, Jesus is saying goodbye to those closest to him, but it's in these last few words to them, Jesus is seeking to communicate the wholeness of God's plan. This actually goes on for a couple of chapters in John, and it's what's referred to by uh, biblical scholars as the farewell discourses. But what's interesting is before we really get into the meat of what Jesus has to say, he begins with something very basic. And we said it several times today, this is my commandment, that you love one another. That you love one another. Now, at least as they first heard what Jesus had to say, this would have sounded very familiar to the disciples' ears. Even though Jesus refers to this as a new commandment, the truth of the matter is that as faithful Jews, the disciples already knew what he was talking about. They already knew that the law comes down to loving God and loving neighbor. As another teacher of Jesus' time, a man named Rabbi Hillel had observed, loving God, loving neighbor, the rest is commentary. So, of course, Jesus, we know, we know, we should love one another. But here's what sets what Jesus is apart. He wasn't finished. Jesus goes on to say, just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. And that was something altogether different. By adding this, Jesus was putting his disciples on notice that words of love alone won't do the job. Neither will you simply and mindlessly adhering to some loose guidelines of fair play. It's not just about following the law. No. You are to love one another as I've loved you. Which means you're to love with your whole heart. Which means you are to love with a firm commitment that translates to the way your lives are going to be lived. You're to love with action that is self-giving and, and ultimately self-sacrificial. You're to love in the ways that demonstrate healing and forgiveness and the utter willingness to offer up your own life if by doing so, love itself can be demonstrated. You, says Jesus, are to love and to live like I loved you. And we are to love and to live just like Jesus did. Friends, I'm here to tell you this morning it still applies. In fact, I would say to you that these four little verses in John's gospel, almost kind of incidental in their placement uh, against the larger story of that fateful night, it pretty much says everything we need to know about who we are as Christians and what we are as the church. We do need to remember here, friends, that, that from this text, we are made to understand that Jesus did not offer up these words as a casual suggestion. 
It wasn't meant to be some credo attached to church membership. This was and is true. That this is a commandment for those who would follow Jesus. As his disciples, we are expected to love one another as Jesus has loved us. Truly, we are to be known in our lives and as Jesus' disciples by our love. (laughs) It's not that we're not going to fail in that endeavor. It's not that we aren't going to be perfect about it because we have failed at it and we will again. As a cartoonist by the name of uh, Jim Wettstein has opined, It's, quote, a good thing that Jesus didn't say, I'll love you the way you love one another, because, man, then we'd be in trouble. (laughs) We're going to fail. But Jesus is clear that we can't give up on the effort. What you and I do out of love, whatever we seek to do out of love, even when it falls short of the mark, It ends up ultimately speaking volumes to the world about the one who loved us, about Jesus Christ. Our love brings the love of Jesus Christ to a disconnected world. Because you know what? Love does not happen in a vacuum. Just as I think we understand that a child cannot learn to be kind without having first experienced kindness. The love of Jesus Christ is something that that needs to be passed on from person to person, from life to life, from generation to generation, from heart to heart. By the same token, in order to show this love of Jesus, it follows that we need to have received it as our own. And that's why it's crucial, especially in this world and in this life that has become so increasingly disconnected from any kind of real, genuine love, especially a love that finds its expression in faith, that you and I purposefully be about the business of actively seeking out the kind of life that puts Christ at the center of it. And how does that happen? Well, do you remember the old story about the man who, over the course of several years, worked to carve an elephant out of a huge boulder that stood in his front yard. This went on for months, for years, and the neighbors kept asking him how, not only how he could possibly create something like that out of of something as immovable and unchangeable as a rock, but how he could possibly keep at it for so long. The old man would just shrug, and he answered, well, you know, I just got one up up one day and I chipped away at everything in the boulder that didn't look like an elephant. You know, and once that was all gone, there it was. Well, friends, likewise in this world, when we are literally surrounded and so often bombarded by that which would seek to pull us away from love, that which would, that would keep us from Christ's presence in our lives, we need Keep chipping away at anything that doesn't look to us like Jesus and his love. By that I mean is we need to get rid of the anger. Get rid of the hatred, the prejudice, and the envy that will fester in our hearts given the slightest opportunity. We need to let go 
of the old hurts that weigh us down, the past regrets that keep us from moving forward, the lingering guilt that holds us back from what we are meant to be. And we need to do away with anything in our lives that doesn't look and feel like love. Because it's only in doing that that we can truly receive the love that Jesus has to give us and thus be able then to share it with others, with our families, with our friends, with those who sit around us in these pews and with the world itself. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. What a wonderful thing, an incredible thing to be known by our love. How great it is for us to be recognized by all those around us as Christ's true disciples because of our love. And what a joy it is to belong to a community of faithful followers, to be part of the church itself that is girded on such love. Love, you see, has a way of transforming everything that we do. In love, our children are instilled with a sense of well-meaning, a well-being and belonging that they carry throughout the whole of their own lives and what they will bring as a legacy to their own children and grandchildren. In love, a spirit of true unity and acceptance grows where once there was division and exile. In love comes this awareness that every word we speak Every deed we do, every action we make, every decision and priority we set for ourselves has the power to either hurt or to heal. But you know what? That doesn't matter because healing has become the first and only priority. In love, you and I are made true disciples of Jesus. Can you imagine in love, what could be done for Jesus' sake? Can you envision what the world could be, what our lives might become, what the church could do by God's grace and by our love? Staggers the imagination, folks. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that all of that and so much more begins with Acting it out. As I said before, it begins by loving and living just like Jesus did. What a shame that something as defining as faith so often is done by rote. How sad it is that even the most faithful among us find ourselves at times just kind of going through the motions. That's because the Christian life, our Christian life, is never meant to be anything less than our embracing of the whole power and the wonder of life and living. How horrible it would be to wake up in the morning and not say, this is the day that the Lord has made, and not rejoice and be glad in it. What a tragedy it would be for us not to seize the day for the sake of the Lord in loving one another as Jesus has loved us. 
Friends, it is true what we are about to sing in just a few moments. They will know we are Christians by our love. By our love, they will know we are Christians by our love. It's important, beloved, that we show them who we are by our love. Thanks be to God. Amen. And that's the message entitled, And They'll Know We Are Christians. It was recorded at our 10 a.m. service of worship at East Church on May the 19th, 2019. By the way, if you are in the community and are looking for a place to worship on a Sunday morning, we'd love to welcome you to East Church. We gather, as I've said, every Sunday at 10 a.m., and we are located on Mountain Road in beautiful Concord, New Hampshire. We are a small but mighty congregation, and I know you will feel welcomed and inspired the moment you walk in the door. So I look forward to greeting you uh, at our times of worship together. That's it for this first edition of Love to Tell the Story. I thank you for listening and uh, be watching for further episodes down the line. And uh, once again, uh, let us know what you're thinking. This is the Reverend Michael Lowry. And until we talk again, may God bless you with a great day. See you later. Thank you.